Hi there. You're listening to Tea Time with Planet Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing it within this vibrant Planet Acquisition community. Here's a little sneak peek into what we've got in store for you today. Tech, one of the things that we have seen most uh, most recently is how many products that are part of our HR tech stack uh, incorporating AI. Some are actually being built on AI, which is really cool. If you were able to use AI as part of summarizing that content and making it accessible for people imagine how easy it will be in terms of learning and development how much you will you will benefit i am thrilled to have virginia on this podcast her knowledge her passion you know you can hear it in every single interaction and i personally came away from this episode with so much to try around artificial intelligence within our acquisition community so we explore the why we look at the how And we also look at the what AI has to offer our entire function, both internal and external throughout this podcast. So when you're ready, let's explore this together and see what AI has in offer for us. Welcome to Tea Time with Plant Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing stories within the vibrant talent acquisition community. There's no surefire way to accomplish anything in life, but with each conversation, we aim to delve into diverse topics and present fresh perspectives to empower you, our fellow colleague, on your own journey to success. I'm your host, Eden, and for the next hour or so, I'm going to be joined by an exceptionally seasoned people leader who has a rich history of collaborating with industry giants such as Oracle, Amazon, and Zalando. This individual harbors a genuine passion for our field, a champion community causes, delivering compelling speeches and earning accolades for their contributions. Their expertise extends well beyond the world of recruitment, encompassing broader HR practices, inclusion, diversity, employer branding, and operations. It is a genuine privilege to spend time with this individual, learning from their wealth of knowledge and delving into the insights on today's subject matter. So when you're ready, Grab your favorite tea or coffee if you prefer and join me in welcoming today's guest, Talent Director, Virginia Tirado. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Eden. My pleasure. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And uh, I'm so excited. Looking forward to our chat today. Although I did have my coffee a bit earlier so that I wouldn't have to interrupt. I am still savoring uh, the, the warmth and looking forward to this lovely conversation today. I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I've, I've had my hands wrapped around my cup of tea literally since we've uh, since we've been on the call because I am freezing today. Um, what I'd like to do, Virginia, is I'd like to start our, our conversation off with the same question that everybody gets asked. Now, I was racking my brain about it because this is our first se- uh, episode in season two. So I thought, me being me, I'm going to mix up the question for this season. So you don't know what this question is yet. So, you know, you haven't had a chance to practice this. So, what do you think is one thing that everyone in our field believes could be improved further? Beliefs could be improved forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, you know, that the to me the, the the biggest advantage that we can think of in this uh, talent space is really how do we get better at optimizing the talents we need. And I mean, you know, from that perspective, hiring the best people 
um, for the job doesn't always relate to necessarily going out and hiring new people, right? So how do we get, how do we move from being traditionally companies that hire for a job and being pretty much job-based to a company that is more people-based and focusing more on a dynamic skills organization? Nice. And I guess the topic of what we want to talk about today, the, the main element of, of artificial intelligence, do you believe would bring kind of elements into that, that vision of yours of what we can improve? Absolutely. And uh, I think I had shared with you, Eden, that I was very lucky um, to participate at, at Unleash this year in Paris. So Unleash World is the biggest HR conference in Europe, if not around the world, because you get participants from all over the world coming. Mm here. And one of the things that was a, a big takeaway for us attending this is that definitely AI as a topic that was touched everywhere, but also skills base um, as the future. We know we still struggle to understand what is happening in the market today as mm. we continue to hear no notices of layoffs, you know, not, not um, too short ago. You've heard again LinkedIn getting some people, you know, having some some second rounds, Google yeah. thirds rounds, how, however many rounds we've seen around the space. Yet we know for sure that most companies struggle to still find the right talent uh, at the right time. So in the future, this is not going to disappear, and hopefully through AI. We will see, and this is really important in HR tech, one of the things that we have seen most uh, um, uh, most recently is how many products that are part of our HR tech stack uh, incorporating AI. Some are actually being built on AI, which is really cool, but others have it either as an add-on or just building, building it in mm -hmm. uh, to be able to give that ability. And uh, for sure, you know, we are in early days of that work, but we will see more and more how exciting the, you know, and how much more efficient it will come as we adopt new technologies to help us navigate, you know, that skill matching and, uh, uh, and skill identifying ability with the data that we have around our employees to what the company actually needs as it adapts to the ever-changing world we're in. Yeah, I like the fact you said we're at the, the early stage of it. And that's that's kind of, I think, when we look at artificial intelligence, there are all these tools and it kind of comes, there's, there's like two groups of people I typically am, am, am seeing. Those that are diving headfirst into it, like you and I, and kind of exploring it and getting, you know, understanding what's the way of the land. And those who are just a little bit, kind of a, a bit nervous to step into it because they don't necessarily understand it or they don't understand how they should be using artificial intelligence to support their role, or they might be fearful, whatever the reason, right? So why do you believe that plant acquisition as an industry, as a role or people, should be taking note of AI? Like, why, why is it going to be important for us? I know you've touched upon a, upon a few elements there, but just to break it down and make it clear for everybody. So I think it would be... Let, if we take it back, right? I think whenever there is a big, a big change in um, or a big junction, right, um, where there is something coming our way that is uncertain of how it would impact us, um, 
there's always that bit of concern of how it will actually affect the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go back to like 2015 when I first started at Amazon and um, Amazon had bought, uh, I can't remember exactly the year, but I had bought a company that did robotics. And a lot of people were very worried because as you know, Amazon has um, many warehouses, right? Where they store the products that they're going to be selling and, uh, and, and you have to you know, package and, and move things around for customers. And uh, there was a lot of concern about whether or not robots were just basically going to take over, right? Uh, uh, and people were going to lose their jobs. And, and ideally, what Amazon was trying to do was really take, be more efficient in yeah. the way they ran the warehouses. So the robots, instead of having people running miles a day to the products, um, when you got an order, basically the way the robots work is that you have these towers and it's very cool actually, because I've seen them in operations is they bring the different uh, towers for what they call pickers to pick the products and pack them and send them out. Right. The reason I'm sharing that is because at the time, you know, we've heard about how robotics are going to change so many things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about, you know, and actually, every time you hear, you know, Amazon is hiring 250,000 people again for the season. So obviously, robots didn't yeah, necessarily take over everything. Right? So, so that's exactly the example, because when okay. you don't know, right, when there's uncertainty, we first, you know, and it's part of our evolution, right? As humans, we always focus on the threat piece. Mm. But I think with AI, you know, AI is not really new. I mean, the, the the language models have been suddenly, you know, become available to all of us that uh, are not working for some companies that are developing them. But many of the companies that uh, are using AI and embedding them in, the, in their t- uh, solution technologies have been working on this for a number of years, right? And it's not, it just didn't happen overnight in November. I think just the explosion last year about, you know, getting chat GPT available to everyone to just play with this language model is what sort of brought it, it to the forefront for the first time for, for the normal. Accessible, right yeah. but if you think about it we've had an alexa many of us right we've had siri <laughs> on our phones we have we've had all of these bits right we've had google i mean yeah. if you think about how technology has helped us this is um this is something that is just part of uh of, of the evolution of times so why do i think recruiters need to know about AI and really need to understand. I think I've shared this uh, before, and I'm not, I don't remember if it was directly with you, but in conversations we've had, uh, recruiters need to be seen more and more as business partners, right? As, As talent partners that come in and can advise, can understand what the hiring managers need, what the business needs, and figure out the best way to support the business to get the right hires in the shortest time possible and hopefully with the lowest cost possible, right? When you think about the way that we see AI today, and I don't know how many of our listeners have played with ChatGPT or with BART or with any of the other models, which I actually do think people should be doing it, um, you, you can see how there's such potential to optimize your 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 work so that you can focus on things that are much more if um, strategic much more um from a high level perspective things that um, uh, that require much more of that thinking and rationale and human 
interaction than simply you know, going through the motions, right? And with AI, if you think about the uses that we're seeing already, lots of people are using it to uh, work on job descriptions, to work on summarizing um, notes from an interview, work on if you uh, if even in in taking notes, you know, you can use it uh, to refresh CVs, to qualify CVs, to go through CVs and match them to your job descriptions. There's so many things that you could be doing that just basically relieve your day from many, very banal sort of manual tasks that require, you know, for you to sit there. And actually, when when you look at some of the trailblazing um, applications that are out there, many companies are looking at how they can actually use AI to summarize, particularly if you look at it in this in the framework of learning and development. You know, there's tons of content that every company um, develops every year, but how easily is it to really give people access to it? And sometimes you might find a presentation that is, you know, 30 slides and uh, you just found it in your corporate repository, but you have no idea if it's actually what you're looking for. And you probably have to go through 30 slides to get one piece that works. If you were able to use AI as part of summarizing that content and making it accessible for people, imagine how easy it will be in terms of learning and development, how much you will you will benefit. So as a recruiter, what, what I would say is, or as TA, you know, we shouldn't be scared of it. I mean, we've had many changes, right? I mean, so many of us don't uh, have time to actually source for candidates mm. because we're running around, you know, just going through loads of applications that are coming in and so on. If you had an hour a day that you now have gained from having all your notes summarized from all the different briefs, debriefs that you've had with candidates, um, what would you do with an hour? Would you use it for personal development? Would you use it to work with your hiring managers in terms of better understanding, you know, what their needs are for the future? Would you use it to actually source for candidates? There's so much more that we could be doing. So I I would say that uh, ignoring it is the worst thing we can do. Being scared of it is even worse. And actually, if you get familiar with it and you can talk to your hiring managers about how cool this is, you know, you also come across as somebody that is curious, that is willing to learn, that is taking time to understand how these new technologies make us better. And um, obviously, we have to be careful because you can't, you know, there there is some um, considerations around confidential information and things that you can put and, you know, but most companies today... Um, have licenses, uh, they would have something developed specifically for them uh, within, you know, whether you're using an application that will have, you know, your own AI pilot that you can use internally to help you uh, go through everything from like, we're seeing it right with Microsoft, with Google, everybody has a solution that now helps you edit your emails or helps you. So there'll be ways that you can use this internally where you're being compliant. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any way, you know, I'd encourage everyone that I'm working with to really spend time playing with it, even for your personal use, so that you can see how things can become how you can use this in in your best benefit that segues very very nicely to kind of the the first core topic which is obviously talking about the the individual contributor which you've covered quite a lot already so we're not going to spend too much there because ultimately it's going to impact us in the sense of making our role more efficient 
giving you the opportunity as the recruiter, the sourcer, to kind of, as you say, free up more time for yourself. But you've touched upon a few key elements. So I'll circle back to them. So one is around how ethical this is, because ultimately there's bias going to creep in. And then the other element that I also want to talk about is as artificial intelligence automates, you know, those lower leveled roles or kind of tasks, not roles, should we say, um, what's going to remain skill-wise important for these recruiters and for us, you know, as to, as we progress? So those two elements, because ultimately, you know, they're, they're going to be what's going to hopefully help us or help people stand out in their careers over the next couple of years as AI becomes more more prominent in the workforce. So. I guess let's let's touch upon the the ethical aspect first of all, um, because you know you're right. Some teams will have things developed specifically for them, but other teams won't, and then it kind of opens up that aspect of is it ethical to use it? Is it not ethical? How is that AI going to then ultimately look at that assessment from that candidate? Are they judging that candidate the same way as somebody else? How how is that going to look at? I guess you know from the, maybe the tech that you've seen. Uh, at these conferences and from your own opinions? Yeah. So so I would say, it, I mean, they're valid questions, right? These are early ages, early, early stages. And, you know, we've had machine learning for a while and, you know, we've had bits of scandals around this before <laughs> where um, we won't necessarily name, uh, you know, interesting names, but actually it happens when you are, when you are working on cutting edge technology and you're the f- early adopter and you're the first one experimenting, it is likely you can make mistakes, but if you if you forget about AI for a minute and you think about what happens today in the recruiting process, how many times do we feel that certain recruiting processes are in a particular way tainted with bias? When you think about what we're trying to do and the reason we've spent at least I have spent the last eight or ten years working heavily in D, in the DNI space is precisely because. We weren't aware of it before. We just did it. It was normal. Nobody was questioning if you had a development team that was full of, you know, all software engineers, um, not necessarily uh, representing any diverse groups. Um, and um, and all you needed was, you know, to hire the people as fast as you yeah. could. And nobody really cared if you were building a diverse team or not. And how many times have we maybe been, if you're in the process of hiring uh, in a team, and and without even thinking about it unconscious you know consciously we we may have made comments about the way somebody looks or the school they went to or if you actually you know feel more affinity with a candidate because you know they speak the same language or they you know they you, you have common friends and so on so it 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 is human nature to have bias and if you are building the ai and the ai is built is built on intelligence that is gathering over many, many years and lots of data, that's going to be there. But what I would say is like, one one thing I have played with a bit and precisely before AI, but we were even looking at software and actually buying licenses where you would look at software that can go through your job descriptions and ensure that the language that was used was inclusive, mm-hmm. that the language that was used was going to be appealing if you wanted to attract women. There were certain you know languages, that, that words that we know will probably not, incentivize a woman to apply for a particular role right and um and today you can actually ask ChatGPT if you're playing with it you can you know it, it is about becoming a really good prompter in the way you do things so you can say you know i would like you to help me build 
and I'm very polite with when I when I do use chat. I'm the same. Please and thank uh, you always. <laughs> and uh, and I just do it for fun sometimes. But but what is really interesting is you know use the right tone and make sure you ask it to ensure that it you know that it's using language that is inclusive or that it checks for if you are giving it something to review that it checks for you know language that could be deemed non-inclusive. So, you know, you have the choice, but you also have to be looking at this. You know, we, we look at a lot of the, the things that, you know, uh, when, when we look at images, if you're creating an employer brand and uh, you want to use, you know, you can use AI for, for a lot of the imaging and the photo, phot- photographies for improvements and so on. You got to make sure, you know, that everyone has a... Uh, uh, an idea of what beauty looks like, right? But some of the stuff that you see with AI, and I've already seen some of this happening, is, you know, the images are just incredibly beautiful and almost perfect, and they don't really reflect a true reflection. Uh, what a, what your team would look like, right? And and you want to be able to. So that I think is where we add value as recruiters. If you see that we're going to be posting on our website, our career site, a picture that was generated by AI where everybody looks white or everybody looks black because, or brown or whatever, that, you know, you don't want to look at extremes. You really want to make sure it represents um, honestly what your teams look like. And hopefully your teams will be a little more diverse. So I think that's where it will become important. But the other thing is about, you know, what, when you think about it, I think AI does something that we didn't have before. I think it does even um, levels out the the levels the the playing field for many people because of that free access right like if you think about wanting to have access to a particular training even you know documents that were perhaps in a different yeah. language that you can now translate that you never had access to and you know there is at least until now i mean you know i'm sure things will be monetized but you'll have other people pro- providing some sort of solution there is an opportunity for us to have a- access to knowledge. If I went this morning to um, a breakfast around, in, um, you know, offer, it, it was around neurodiversity and, and offering people a, a much more inclusive workplace. How do we work towards uh, having a much more inclusive workplace for uh, neurodivergent talent? And it was really interesting to hear some of the folks, you know, that struggle with dyslexia, that struggle with you know, certain difficulties, how they can use AI today to summarize long contents for them. So if you think about how, you know, how some of this is just going to make our lives so much easier, you know, that is the other side of the argument. Yes, you can, but but let's not be scared or, or not use it because we think it's going to be biased. I mean, let's teach it the right way and let's make sure that we are doing our job, you know, to to validate or or, or capture where these bias, um, potential bias issues can come up. But also let's think about how, you know, this can make our lives uh, so much easier, especially for people that probably need some additional help. You know, if you if you have dyslexia, for example, and, and you know, dreaded being able to go through um, reports or articles or even presentations, and you can actually now put a PDF file into... Uh, one of these um, language models and get a proper summary you know you still have to look at it but it is a good starting point yeah so I I would say that that's my kind of my um, look at it in the positive way you know like the sunshine 
that this brings. It's not all gloomy, mm. right? There's a lot of sun, you know, a lot of sunshine is how I like to, to put it when we look at these yeah, topics. Yeah, I think on the yeah, ethical think... topic as well, it's, you hit the nail on the head, by the way, in my opinion as well, it's when you try anything new and you're trying to push the, the boundaries of what's doing and also changing how people have always done things, you're never going to get it right first time and then you know, you've got to crack a few eggs, so to speak, to get it right. But it will get right and it will become better. But ultimately, it's down to who is creating the problem and who is creating the software and those those models specifically and how are they looking at bias, for example, in that process of building it. Um, and prompts, by the way, for anybody who's listening and probably sitting there thinking, what the hell is prompt? Prompt engineering, so what you actually put into the model to spew out what you need it to. Um, but I do the same, by the way. I'm, I'm extremely polite. Please, thank you. I don't know why. I just feel compelled to do it. Um, but I think it's just... Well, if you think about it, right, it is learning from yeah. you and you as a user and how so your tone the um, the way that you interact the language so if the the better the the more accurate you are in the way that you ask so when we talk about prompting it's really the commands or the parameters mm. right because you're asking it to go and find something for you so it, the more specific you are or you wanted to draft something for you and so on the more specific you are the better the information that's going to come back right and and i play with it in different ways so so if if i you know I've, I've i've used it even to create itineraries i had a friend that has moved away from london uh now you know for over 10 years and her daughter was coming over and she's like my young daughter you know uh she's 23 going with a, a few girlfriends you know what would yeah. you recommend and i was like well I'm sure that the places I normally go are not the best places for, for, you know, for a 23 year old and even for basic things like that. And you can say, okay, well now add something or something that, you know, you add some theater suggestions or whatever. But this is amazing though, even because when you think about it, it is like having an EA, right? Like having a personal assistant that is there not to take your job, but to make your job, your life easier. Right. And imagine if you had to research the amount of time, of course, you're still going to research, but now you have a, a starting point. You've got, you know, you've got uh, a really interesting plan with like the latest things. I mean, if you, if I hadn't been to Paris, you know, recently, and you, the last time you were five years ago, and you want to go to a restaurant, you don't even know if yeah. the restaurant exists anymore or if anything else better has come up. So just for basic things like that, imagine if we can do that now in the workplace. Imagine all the uses we can bring to this in becoming more efficient and having more time to do things around. The, yeah? the second part of that question as well, before we move on to the next topic of, kind of artificial intelligence relating to the team, was around the skills that the individual contributors would need to possess. Because again, as, as our roles develop alongside AI, the need and demand of skills is going to adjust. It, it, you can already see it in some degree when we're looking at softer skills um, in the current market. So from your perspective, what, what do you see as kind of being maybe the, the standout-ish skills team that individuals sorry, should be paying attention to? So, so I, I, I like to refer to one of our TA gurus that I know he's got a huge following, right? So, so Hong Lee gave a presentation not too long ago, but we, we've entertained this conversation many times. And we were at the IHR London um, in September. And he gave a presentation about this. And I love the way he put it because he was like, you know, whatever role you're doing today, think about what tasks 
if you actually had the possibility of automating, you mm -hmm. would automate. Uh, think about these stats as what are AI exposed? And, and I really like to think about that because, you know, like I feel that many times as a recruiter, you're trying to, or as a leader in TA or in a, an HRBP or anyone in this space, right? You are trying to juggle many things, yeah? And there are some things where you truly can add value. So I think that if you think about it from the perspective of the more technical, you know, we are in terms of like the more um, technical we become as a company with a lot of software and a lot of different tools and so on, I think the the more important it is for us to be, you know, from a human perspective, you know, really adept to understand where, you know, as we use this technology, we can make a difference, right? So imagine um, the, you know, creating uh, a job description. You go to an intake meeting, you have the conversation, you take a few notes, and uh, maybe you go back and you already have a model of a job description, a template that you've used in the past. I mean, if you're doing software engineering, hiring for, you know, a senior, uh, a principal engineer or a senior engineer, you know, with a particular language that you want, but then you want to make sure they, if they eventually will manage a team, you want to add some things around leadership and so on. You do the prompts, you get this done. Yeah. Somebody needs to read it because you need to make sure that it still reflects what the hire manager wants. But now you take this job description and at some point, I mean, the, obviously there are going to be roles. If you're working on high volume hiring for, I don't know, a warehouse at Amazon, you know, or at a big retailer for you know, the Christmas season, you don't really need to assess in the same way, right? You will have people apply for jobs and you probably just process. And if you get the right people, you know, you go through it. But if you're doing technical recruiting, uh, you know, it's, it's a very different game. Or if you're doing, you know, legal or compliance or corporate yeah. or marketing, you will have to have those human interactions. And I don't think that it will be anytime soon where we will just disappear, you know, as a recruiter from the function because candidates want to have that experience. Candidates want to talk to people. And are we yet there at a place where a candidate, you know, can just ask a bot about the culture uh, we've had bots before to to help us, you know, throughout any process. If you have a question about, you know, where to show up for an interview or, you know, what should what you should add to the application or whatever, you might have a bot that can help you. But if you want to know what it's really like to work uh, in a particular company, you know, you, you've read the Glassdoor reviews, you've spoken to a few friends and you still have questions, you can ask the hiring managers, but you probably feel more comfortable asking your recruiters about yeah. about that. So I would say, you know, or, you know, things get messed up. You send the wrong offer. You know, there's a crisis management. Well, you need a human yeah. to manage that crisis. And actually in recruiting processes, things happen. You know, things always happen when when everything is going too well and it's too perfect. You know, it kind of scares me a little because um, things can really be that smooth all the time, especially when you're dealing with people. Right. So last minute you've worked with this candidate that, you know, it's taken a year to get to finally fill the position and so on. And then something happens, you know, COVID hits and people can't travel. I mean, you know, just crazy stuff like that, where then, you know, you can't wait for a candidate that is, you know, in the other side of the world, I mean, lots of different things. You still need that personal touch, that human touch to do these. And, I, you know, I, 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 I think when you, when you look at, for example, using AI for, 
market intelligence. You can ask, you know, we, we, we have lots of data sources. You can use, you know, talent insights from LinkedIn, or you can go to Horsefly, or, you know, you can have great vendors out there that can give you some, um, some really good data around, you know, what market intelligence looks like. But when you actually want to sit down to, to look at that data with the hiring manager, if you have developed that relationship and you're seen as a trusted advisor, they will want to hear yeah. from you. They will want to hear, why do you think, you know, because you're the one that's going to have to go attract that talent. You know, why should you go to Berlin versus Munich? You know, is there more people? Is What are the salaries? What are the, you know, can you get more diverse talent? You know, if you're looking at sales, you know, how much is it going to cost you to go to Munich? What is the talent pool size? And you're not going to expect the hiring manager to go through all of these reports and make information, you know, make something with that data. He's expecting you to come with a consultative approach to share, you know, what is your advice, right? So if you, if you focus on that, look at your daily work, look at what you normally do, look at the things you actually enjoy. Cause I can tell you most people will actually enjoy having that conversation with a hiring manager than just going through, you know, yeah. routine, manual tasks yeah so and then understand kind of you know okay if if these are the things where my soft skills are really going to be the ones that i need to focus on do i need to improve are there gaps in the way that i communicate should i be looking at you know maybe investing on some communication on some mentoring you know that can help me get feel more and more confident now to to have those conversations with a higher manager also segue back to what you said at the beginning right so business partner and that's that's kind of where the teams should be looking. It's actually um, the very first podcast episode we did, which um, Alex, who's the uh, head of talent acquisition for a company called Billy in Berlin, explained it about being movement from service provider to business partner. And I think that's that's the trend that we need to see more within teams. And I think AI was only going to help us get there quicker as people realize okay, my job can automate that part, or it can automate that part of my job, and I can focus more on this part. And as you rightfully just said, I can now upskill into the areas that I can show true value and that's where the role will sit. So the, the IC role is, you know, the individual, but now it's, I'm curious to take a look at the team. So a lot of the, the AI tools that I'm seeing kind of focuses around communication and more specifically collaboration. So do you see any specific challenges or maybe opportunities that AI uh, will create around communication and collaboration within the talent acquisition teams? So I think absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the piece where I see you can get, um, you will see more evolution will be around, like I was saying, you know, the dynamic organizations looking at the skill base and how we train and how we do this. You, you will need mm-hmm. technology to do that much faster. But I would see this where, you know, we all come together. It's something that we do today. If you think about it, if we look at, you know, companies have their, um, performance cycles when you are looking at reviews of the talent pool and understanding, you know, who might be struggling in a particular job, who might need some help to, you know, to be placed for success. But also you, you understand through these performance reviews who might actually be ready for a different job, right? Or, or, or for a promotion or, or has expressed interest in a different area. If and today, if I you know if I, if I go back to look at my experience, I've usually always built success by partnering with our HR folks. So talent mm-hmm. usually sits in HR, but we have our HR business partners that are looking more at you know once the talent has been attracted and hired, you know they together with our talent management folks will be looking at 
the the development mm-hmm. and the retention you know of of that talent and you would think about opportunities to collaborate around that internal mobility that pl- the succession planning that upskilling you know the gig economy is also something that we have seen you know probably not used as much as we would like but in companies that are doing it well uh and and you think about the solutions that they have adopted you know they they have um maybe a a, a talent marketplace uh where people you know when where you post that you know you might not be able to hire somebody full time but you would have a project that will go on for a couple of months and you need some help and people want to develop some project management and they look at this match they find a way of of coming in and doing something interesting for them which also allows you to have higher engagement and at the same you know time mm. helps you with retention right which is a win win for everyone but this cannot happen in a sort of in a vacuum right it, in, we we don't have just these these silos organizations anymore and if we do then that is not you know what is going to drive success you need to have that collaborative approach to plan to understand tr- strategically and then if you bring in your finance folks and you look at the workforce plan and you know what is our budget going to look like how many heads do we need to hire next year can we hire um are we looking at new business expansions and so on then between ta you know our talent management and hr business partners and our finance folks we can create some interesting dynamics that will really allow you to have the right flywheel to support the business when it comes to that that talent, right? So you don't always have to go externally. You know, many companies, particularly right now where hiring has slowed down a bit, have actually turned into looking more at the internal mobility side of things, which is actually something we should be doing constantly because I'm a big believer that, you know, there's a better way of doing things than how Good we've luck. been doing it in the past few years where... You, you you hire and fire, hire and fire. You've got these cycles, right? You know, things go crazy, you know, hey, wire, let's go out and, and hire so many people because we can't keep up with the demand. And then suddenly the economy is crashing. There's a war. Things are happening. There's a supply chain crisis. Okay, we need to get rid of people because we can't really make our numbers, you know. So this is kind of what we've been seeing. Or we decide that we need to actually cut costs because now we need to invest in AI. I mean, there's so many different things happening, right? There's not one case that is identical to another but what is interesting about this is the possibilities that come from us working together ai can be used to whether you want to upskill you know like we were given an example of you know um, a, a couple of 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 companies out there um, you've got eightfold doing you know the this the skill base piece which they do really well but if you look at content you know you've got um, people like Cornerstone or like Arist um, or others that are that are trailblazing in this space because they've actually gathered data and content for so long that now if they actually work with AI and they've been already been working with AI, but you know they're going to get ahead of the game because they'll have solutions that are ready to go and that can help you in the learning and development space to create the curriculum you need. You can also think about it from an upskilling perspective where people can actually invest time on their own because they'll have access to this um, easily. And actually what we're seeing more and more in the learning and development space is uh, taking uh, content. And uh, I guess it's in the era of, um, you know, the social media where our uh, span of attention is so little, right? Just breaking the content down to little parcels, you know, little nuggets of knowledge that you can go through, right? And you can then, you know, you might have this podcast, and I'm sure we'll do a bit of that, where 
you'll have segments that are short and people may not need to listen to the entire podcast to understand how we can use some of these things better for ourselves. And then they go specifically to the, the topics that they're interested in. And that's what we're seeing more and more. And I think that that is the future. I mean, I'm excited about the future because I think if we don't collaborate among ourselves, we won't be able to be effective in the way we need to support our business and our customers. Because eventually, whatever we do, whatever your company, you know, the role that we have, we're obviously building um, to support our stakeholders, but we're also acting on behalf of our customers, right? So, so that's, you know, to create the best product and the best experience for our customers. So I think that that's going to be the future you, for all I think of you, us. Like I said, you, it's evident how passionate you. you are about all of this. And I love the fact that you've always got a positive spin on it. When I'm speaking to a lot of people, there's a lot of doom and gloom around this, but, you know, I like the fact that you're positive around what's happening and we're not there with everything by any means, but there's there's glimpses of what's happening, and that's the beauty of what what AI is at the moment. And it's about trial and error and see what works. And you know, a communication tool might come out where you're trying to bring in this huge international organization, and it flops and it just does not work. But at least you've tried it. And then it's about what's the learns, how do we pivot, how do we iterate that sort of thing. And it's it's working collectively as a team. And you're absolutely right. Teams should not be siloed. They they need to be um you know collaborative they need to be um cross-pollinating ideas because definitely some of the best ideas that i've been part of came from different teams and then they, you, you kind of take what they're doing and you mix it into a little bit of somebody else's and then you try something with, with yourself and that's how how fresh ideas are generated anyways but it's interesting to hear your perspective on how that will boost only positively from from ai but all of this needs to be ran by someone and let's call this hypothetical person the leader, the VP of people, the director of talent, however the, the job title looks. But it comes down to the leader, right, to determine the strategy of that talent team. So with AI coming in more into talent teams today, what new responsibilities do you believe will fall to the leaders of our field? So... That's an interesting point, because I think that if you look at the last three years, and particularly for everyone in HR, it doesn't matter if you're in talent, talent acquisition, in HRBP, in people operations, you know, we've been through this roller coaster where actually people issues became more and more aware um, with more visibility. We, we became more aware of these issues and there had more visibility. We started talking about, you know, like having to work remotely, like mental health, team collaboration. How do you ideate? How do you innovate? How do you, you know, what is, are we all going back to the office? You know, are we adopting a hybrid model? There's so many things. And to be fair, like how many of us really have the time or make the time to go play with chat GPT or think about, you know, what does the future look like? I mean, people are trying to decipher what does the future of work look like today? And, uh, you know, we hear these scary studies and I say scary because we've gotten used over the last three years of having, you know, not having to go into the office every day. And here, I think McKinsey had interviewed, I don't know, it was like 700 um, CEOs across the world and said, you know, but in, in in the next three years, we'll all be back in the office five days a week. And, and it's hard to believe that we're going to go back to that. And, and I, and I don't really think mm. that talent really wants that. I think some people, you know, have to, because there's certain roles that you have to do in the office, right. Or, I mean, if you're a nurse and you need to show up to the hospital, you know, un, until, 
the time that we can do surgery with robots, you know, um, everywhere or get robots to be the ones, you know, it'll come. But but perhaps today, you know, not everybody has the luxury of being able to work from home. But I think that what what is interesting in in uh, in in these discussions is is really thinking about how you know we we tackle this without being scared. And as a leader, you are going to have to make the time to help your teams understand that it's, you know, we're going to, how do we use this to become more effective? How do we use this? I mean, yes, we might lose some jobs in a particular area, but we might gain other jobs in other areas. And maybe that is an opportunity to use our talent to, in a more sustainable way, to upskill people. So as a leader, I would expect that either myself or the person that I work for, that we have open conversations. We look at and listen to our teams because many of the folks we are managing might actually know how to do this really well, right? So I heard a comment about, you know, um, somebody was, uh, wasn't was allowed to use ChatGPT to prepare a performance evaluation. I was like, well, that's an interesting question, you know, like our company said, you're not allowed to use chat for this. And this was a conversation we had among a summit with leaders. And it is about, you know, the same, like if you're doing an assessment, like what is the ethical use for some of this? I said, well, actually, if you suffer from dyslexia and uh, dyslexia and you have difficulty writing, I mean, sometimes these performance reviews are, you know, not Mm -hmm. only time consuming, but people dread them because it is, it takes time to do this. But what if you actually told, instead of telling your teams, you can use it, say, Hey, you know, make sure that you feed the model, you know, the accomplishments, the things that you want to do. And if you want to use AI to actually fit it in the 200 words that you can use, or you want to use it so that your drafting is more professional or so on, just, you know, be realistic in the way that you do things and think about how you can support your teams. Um, I think about how many things I can do when it comes to supporting my hiring managers, you know, hiring managers are interested in two things. They want to hire the best talent and they want to hire them as, as um, quickly as, as, as possible. The third thing, if they own this, the cost center might be the cost, right? But (laughs) if they don't own the cost center, then that doesn't come into the equation, right? Um, They're like, you worry about it. But in those two things, you know, how can we use AI to make it easier? Uh, Sometimes how long does it take to get feedback to candidates? Because, uh, or to even do a debrief because people go in, they take some notes, but they can't get them into the system. Can we help them? You know, can we, you know, tell our teams it's okay to figure out ways to become more efficient, especially since you as a leader have so many other things to do. Just, you know, just explore and work with your teams, invite them to look at how we can incorporate this to make their lives easier. I think eventually that results in a win-win because again, you know, we make people's people will be happier that we do in tasks that are much more fulfilling and uh, we'll, that should help, you know, in increasing their engagement and which in turn helps with the retention. So uh, I would encourage all of our leaders, you know, if, if you don't have the time, because I know you, there are many other things you're working on is really rely on your teams, you know, and, and if you can make it to a few of these conferences, it's a great way to talk to people, but also listening to podcasts. You know, I, I do a lot of, of that, um, you know, in the car, just listen to, you know, Josh Burson's company, the Josh Burson company has a really cool um, podcast series that, you know, a lot of conferences, and then he basically summarizes them for you, right? So you can think about just listening. And I've I've shared, and I will continue to share on my LinkedIn uh, a bit of, you know, 
the content that I'm being exposed to. But I think it is all of our responsibility to really educate ourselves, you know, to spend the time to uh, be able to talk about these things in a informed manner and look at how these topics can help us become better leaders, better hiring managers, you know, better employees. And eventually that will be yeah, the return on investment for the company. Leaders, as you say, and the title of this yeah, is, is lean into AI, you know, be, be present in what's happening in the market, explore it as much as time permits. And as you say, if time doesn't permit for whatever reason, a thousand one tasks, then you've got a team that should be, you know, sitting there saying we want responsibility we want to grow we want to do this we'll do it. like use them as best as you can so we can everyone can collectively grow um the last question for kind of the leader aspect right and you've touched upon different tools already and there's so many there are so many tools that are being marketed i mean you, you search on ai for for a couple of hours and then before you know it instagram flooded with all these tools and youtube adverts are the same and there's so much to think about right and as a leader, it can become um, a bit boggy, shall we say, as to what to do and what to buy and what to explore next. And, you know, it becomes difficult. Is there any kind of key indicators or key metrics, shall we say, that you as a leader would be looking at to determine whether or not a specific tool is, is you know, valuable for your organization? So... It, that's a really good question, right? Do you have a problem you're trying to solve? And is there a tool that can help you solve mm. that easier? I guess is the question you're asking. Like, how do you go about, where do you invest? Because there's so many things, right? So I don't think it is about investing for the heck of investing. I mean, you know, you make a decision that you're going to implement Workday as your human capital systems, right? Um, you you do that. And um, that that might be a massive implementation for you. You might, depending on the size of your company, your maturity and so on, but there might be other things that work with, with Workday. And it could be that, you know, you still feel like you can't manage the best candidate experience through Workday and you have to have a separate ATS. And then, you know, it, looking at an HR tech stack is complicated. You won't be able to solve that just by, you know, two or three things. But I do think that you should focus on what are your biggest pain points, right? And where are you losing the most time? Because at the end of the day, you know, if, if we just look at recruitment and if we look at TA in, in, in particular, what you are aiming to solve, again, going back to what candidates, you know, what hiring managers want is that you hire the best person, whether it's external or internal, it doesn't matter, right, for the job as quickly as possible. Because if you think about a, a job that is not filled, by the time that person on boards and by the time that person is capable of carrying out, you know, productive work in that role, the comp you know, the club mm. keeps sticking and it's costing the company money. So if if one of the issues you have is maybe the onboarding process, because that could be a bit of a nightmare for many people. You know, then you bring the people and then they're lost for two weeks because they can't even, you know, connect to the network or they don't have their laptops and they don't know who to go to, especially in the distributed model where many of us are working remote and you don't have that, you know, the, the next person sitting next to you on, on the desk next to you where you can just go ask for a question, right? So that might be an area to look at. So I would say, I would encourage people to look at what are the problems you're trying to solve or what are the things that you think have a cost to you um, or that are very, very tactical where there might be a tool, there might be an AI for it that can help you. 
And then based on that, you know, you know, figure out what makes sense. And the only way to look at some of this stuff as well is to really be out there and learn what people are doing. If you don't know, um, you know, what are the solutions that are being offered and what's in HR, you know, what is the latest and greatest, uh, then you wouldn't know if there's something there to solve your problems. So again, if you don't have the time, you know, delegate, you know, have the conversations, talk to, um, to your peers, be part of industry groups, you know, be part of, of um, communities where you can ask these questions and, uh, and share experiences. One thing that I have noticed is that, you know, people in these roles, we all are, very much challenged by the same type of problems. And I, I actually went to Wreckfest in Nashville the first time that they've done the event in the US. And I, I went mainly to broaden my network and understand a little bit of what's going on. But I was very curious to see if people in America on the other side of the pond, pond have the same top problems we have. And it's quite interesting. You know, everybody is struggling with exactly the same things. You know, they might be in a different country and may have different priorities, mm-hmm. but the problems are very similar. So ensuring you're part of a community, ensuring that you actually make time to invest in your learning is key. Because one thing is that, you know, AI is not here to take away our jobs for sure. But one thing for certain is if you don't know how to use AI, you know, and how to use it to your benefit, then you're going to be left behind. And you might end up losing your job, not because AI came to take it away, but because you can't be an efficient partner if you cannot advise and consult in the right way. But what's really happening today? And it's moving very quickly now. So that's, I think that the, that's the biggest challenge. It's, we know it's the, t- the changes are just happening um, exponentially fast uh, as mm. they did in the, Unlike they did Thank in the past. Thank you for your insights there. I mean, there's there's so much to, to unpack in this, and Thank you for your insights. It's, it's so many avenues this could, this could go down. We could speak for hours, but we'll wrap it up on one final question. So I only want one. But what do you think is the biggest flaw that talent teams need to be mindful of around AI regarding it today? And that's quite a, a broad question. I mean, if it, it, it is so new for many of us, let's just think about it from the flaw perspective. I think it's like everything, you know, it will work better the more you learn to interact with it and make it work for you. I think the biggest flaw is perhaps that, you know, it's not necessarily intuitive, right? So I wouldn't say it's a flaw, but the thing is that unless you practice, and, and you know, we were talking about careers, you, you, you explained what a prompt was and how prompt engineering might be, you know, a job for the future. And, and it is about learning how to use it. And, uh, and it's like data, yeah. right? If all your systems, if you put garbage in, it's garbage out. And it's similar, you know, to AI. If, if you feed the model, you know, stuff that is not useful, it's not going to give you back stuff of quality. So I think I would say, you know, spend time learning okay. to, to prompt and, uh, and adapt okay. and look at where it's actually efficient for you. Um, thank you so much. And obviously, thank you for everyone who's listened as well. Thank you, Eden. Thank you to the audience. And it was really a pleasure.